Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. All right, this is Hour 2 of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. I'm Carmen LaBerge. Again, thank you so much for sharing your time with me today. I know it is an extremely valuable resource, so let's be careful with it and use it well. Uh, There is a lot going on in the world. The International Criminal Court, which I feel like I should note, the United States is actually not party to the ICC. So when we celebrate an action of the International Criminal Court, we should recognize that the United States, China, India, Indonesia, uh, many other countries are actually not party to the International Criminal Court. But nonetheless, the United States is among many who are celebrating the action of the ICC, which issued an arrest warrant for Russian President Vladimir Putin on war crimes in Ukraine. Um, Now, in an act of what I think can only be seen as defiance, Vladimir Putin um, made an appearance in the Russian-occupied territory of Ukraine known as Crimea, and then in the city of Mariupol. And he did that on the one-year anniversary of the slaughter of innocents there when um, Russian planes dropped bombs on a theater. You will remember this, that from the air you could see the word um, children, children, um, spray painted on the sidewalks surrounding that um, that theater in downtown Mariupol. Um, thousands of women and children uh, were sheltering there after their own homes had been destroyed by the Russian aerial assault, and um, and yet those Russian pilots dropped bombs um, on that building, and it was the largest uh, loss of life in one event um, to date. In Ukraine. And on the anniversary of that, uh, Vladimir Putin had the audacity to show up in Mariupol and assert Russia's uh, claim. Um, So, yeah, that's what's going on there. Um, Ukraine's president uh, Zelensky has said that Putin's arrest warrant marks a, quote, turning point. He's holding out hope that his neighbor will be held responsible, that Vladimir Putin will be held accountable. We're going to talk about those words, responsibility and accountability, in just a moment with Ken Harrison um, from promise keepers. Um, Zelensky said uh, that Putin would be held responsible for every destroyed life, for every destroyed life. So let me ask you, who ultimately holds people responsible for the destruction of life? Who is the giver of life? Who's the creator of life? Um, This note that ultimately Putin is going to be held responsible for every destroyed life is absolutely true. Maybe not true in the way Zelensky meant it, Uh, He's holding out hope that Putin will be held responsible and accountable here um, now. But I guarantee you he's going to be held responsible for every life he's destroyed. And so will you and so will I. Chinese leader Xi Jinping is making a visit to Moscow today. It's expected that he's going to be there a couple of days. It's a show of friendship. Um, He's got the announced goal of brokering peace in the Ukraine and the Russia war on Ukraine. 
Um, and while we might hope for peace, it's really difficult for me to imagine that real peace is going to emerge um, from these particular talks. Um, it's going to almost certainly heavily favor Russia, China's friend. China is committed publicly um, to to Russia. Uh, and so, you know, hard, hard to see how uh, this is going to work itself out. However, I do think it's essential to recognize um, that China's over there seeking to do it, and we are not. And so when you talk about the way on the world stage the authority of a nation is uh, is on the relative rise or on the relative decline, um, where their leaders go and what their leaders accomplish when they go is a huge marker um, in terms of a, a nation's either rising or declining influence on the international stage. And if you look at the international stage today, you are going to see standing very prominent on it uh, Xi Jinping, Vladimir Putin, uh, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, um, and yes, you're going to see the Prime Minister of Japan standing prominently on the world stage today as well. Um, in China, I mean, uh, excuse me, in India, creating a new alliance there. So uh, Japan and India creating a new alliance in somewhat a response probably to the alliances now forged between China and Iran and Saudi Saudi Arabia, which was a headline we talked about last week. Do you see the rising influence of some and the waning influence of others? I think that's what I'm trying to highlight. Uh, Meanwhile, here back at home, lots of conversations about accountability and leadership and responsibility and leadership. Former President Donald Trump um, says he expects to be arrested tomorrow on charges stemming from um, an illicit relationship that he had with a porn star to whom he then uh, paid money. Uh, known as hush money through his um, through his attorney Michael Cohen. It's a complicated case, and yet it all comes down to um, the keeping or the failure to keep marriage vows. I mean, I'm going to put it right there. I'm going to lay the whole conversation at the feet of, of of the responsibility to be accountable to the vows we make and the vows we take. Winston Churchill noted this: the truth is incontrovertible. Malice may attack it, ignorance may deride it, but in the end, there it is. In the end, there it is. And don't don't start adding me with all the whataboutism. I understand the whataboutism. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But that doesn't mean that we don't hold those rightfully responsible for their behavior. Rightfully responsible. We're going to have a conversation about accountability and why it's lacking in our culture today. Next with Ken Harrison from Promise Keepers. Together. All right, joining us now, Ken Harrison from Promise Keepers. You can find Ken and lots of resources at promisekeepers.org. Good morning, Ken. Hey, good morning, Carmen. How are you? Oh, I'm well, I'm well. Let's uh, let's talk about a really critical topic in the culture today for men. It's probably always a critical topic for all of us, and the topic is accountability. So what is accountability, or or how can I see evidence of the lack of it in the world today? No, boy, that. I almost think of how do we find accountability in the world today? There seems to be such a lack of it. But um, one of the things we've seen is the epidemic of the friendless American male. And, um, you know, everything I say can be applied to every person. It's just that I say it more from the masculine point of view, because we find that today women seem to have plenty of friends and relationships, but men are lacking and they're lacking someone in their life, a male in their life that says, hey, that that isn't a good idea, or maybe you're drinking too much, or maybe you're doing this or that. So accountability is holding each other 
accountable to what the Bible says. So James says, if you see your brother drifting from the truth, correct him and save him from death and a myriad of sins. Jesus says, confront your brother in his sin. And if he repents, forgive him. But the point of it is we have to have confrontation, humble, gentle confrontation to keep each other on the narrow road for Christ. Mm. Um, You know, the only, I think, I guess I think of, of Jesus, you know, turning and saying to Peter, well, Peter feeling like he could hold Jesus accountable, like, you know, this is not what people want to hear, Jesus. And then Jesus turning and saying, I don't know, gently, does it sound gentle to you? Get thee behind me, Satan. Like, right, you're operating out of um, out of a worldly view um, or out of a mannish view, and I'm operating out of a, a godly and kingdom worldview. Um, that, that confrontation, that ability to speak truth into the life of another person, uh, what does it require, Ken? Because it requires more than just a relationship. Which sure does. It first of all, it requires an understanding of what the truth is. If I'm mm. going to confront somebody else, I'd better darn well know what's right in my own eyes. That means understanding what God's word says, what scripture says. It also means having built trust. So it's not just relationship, it's not just that I know somebody or I've seen them in church for 10 years, but do I have a trust built up in them so that they say, ah, I may not like what you said, but there's truth in it. I trust who you are. And I think we as Christians sometimes get over our skis on that one. Um, a Colorado and talking to a Minnesotan, so over our skis. <laughs> Relational <laughs> um, capital, I think, is part of what you're talking about, right? Yes, exactly right. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. Same thing with marriage. When we see in a marriage, what is the trust factor built up between husband and wife? How honest can we be with each other? And also, what is our motivation? Is our motivation humility? Is it truly the restoration of somebody? Or is it what we've seen too much in the church, which is a way of lording it over somebody or making ourselves feel superior to somebody? Or is it legalism? So is it truly scriptural? Is it truly the truth? Or is it just our opinion? And it's okay to have an opinion, but never okay to say it as if it's scripture. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. All right. So um, establishing a relationship, a friend, a genuine friendship, um, a mutual understanding of co- and commitment to the truth, no matter what. Like, I think that's essential. You've re- alluded to that. Trust built up, a relational capital established over time. Um, that's, you know, that's walking together over uh, through seasons of life, over all kinds of circumstances and terrain. A willingness to confront and love. I think these are all a mm-hmm. part of um, the process of accountability. So we're going to continue our conversation here in just a moment with Ken Harrison, from Promise Keepers. You can find Ken and resources at promisekeepers.org. When you think about accountability, when you think about accountability, who is in a position to hold you accountable today? Um, From whom would you receive that kind of truth-filled, confrontive, iron sharpens iron kind of um, confrontation? I don't have a better word for it. Um, And what does it look like to have accountability to fidelity in marriage or accountability to raising the children conceived, you know, in the act of sex or accountability to the care that God has entrusted to you or accountability to God himself? Like, what does that look like? We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, 
all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation with Ken Harrison from Promise Keepers, um, Ken, let's uh, let's dig a little more deeply um, because I think that the the questions that we ask often lead to and have already on the text line lead to what aboutism? All right, so you know you you're pointing to this person or or you're pointing to me and you're trying to hold me accountable, but what about what about what about? Can you help us address the? I mean, it's an absolute reflex in the culture today to point to someone else. Boy, isn't that right? These are great questions. What are we all about? Instead of what about, what are we about? So we're all on the narrow road to Christ. And one of the problems we have as Christians is comparing ourselves to each other. When the only template we have is to compare ourselves to the perfect Christ. And why? Why are we trying to be so good? Why obey the Sermon on the Mount and die to sales daily and pick up our cross and follow him and act in great humility because we'll all Christians be judged based on what we did with our faith once we're in heaven. So we won't be judged based on heaven or hell because that's been settled. Our sins are forgiven. But after that, second Corinthians five, tens, the Lord says, what did you do with what I gave you? And so that is why we are on a mission, each brother and sister to sharpen each other so that we can live in the most joy and in the will that God has given us, the calling he's given us. So you see in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we're saved by faith alone, by his grace. But Ephesians 2, 10 says that we're saved for the purpose of good works, created in Christ Jesus, that we're prepared before him that we should walk in them. Each one of us has a plan that he put down at the beginning of time for us to accomplish. That's why we're holding each other accountable so that you and I can have as many crowns in heaven as possible. And I hear lots of Christians say, I don't care about crowns. I just want to get to heaven. Really? Jesus says in Revelation 1, 2, and 3, do whatever it takes to not let anybody steal your crowns. Paul says, I strain forward to do whatever it takes to get the crown of righteousness. If, If Jesus says, don't let people steal your crowns, and Paul says, my entire life is about getting crowns, I want them, and I want those who I love to have as many for themselves as possible as well. Yeah, because that's what we're going to have to offer at the feet of Jesus. Like it's, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it is It is the gift we will, I mean, you're going to show up naked and you're going to have nothing. And so he's going to give you um, that which you can then return. I mean, like, right, otherwise I'm not going to have anything to give him other than, you know, me, which I know he loves and uh, adores and all of that. But, you know, I'd like to have, uh, I'd like to have a crown to lay at his feet as well. Um, I am interested in, um, how to respond um, to a person who um, I'm just going to use the you know worldly Christian um, a Christian you know sort of cultural Christian and because the conversation that you and I are having assumes that a person is um, a little more integrated than many many people who I actually encounter on a day to day basis and so help me move in the direction of um, of this common, actual common desire. Like I want to have a, when I say common, like shared between us, um, a, sh- a common commitment to the truth and the pursuit of it, no matter where it leads. 
Yeah. So I think that that's part of what we've learned at Promise Keepers. It's been five years of me really learning. Um, you know, it, it was interesting, you know, Coach McCartney started Promise Keepers. He was a coach. Coaches, they have a team and they have to make the best with their team that they have. I've been a policeman and a CEO of, of huge companies. So CEOs hire and fire people all the time. So there's a difference in seeing the world. Coach was encouraging. Come on, guys, we could do this. Where I am, you know, let's get on board or get off the ship and we'll get somebody else. And so there's a different way of seeing things. One of the things I've learned about men, and I said, all these issues are for everybody, but there are differences in our sexes. Um, some people in this country have are confused by that, but I think most of us understand. And men, they gain trust by doing things together. And men need to know why, 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 why. And I used to, even as a boy walking with Christ, but why should I care? Why should I give all? If Jesus did everything on the cross, like Romans 6, 1 and 2, then why should I just sit all the time? Because his grace saved me. Because it will matter. And it won't just be about crowns to throw at his feet. Because also it says, the overcomer will reign with me. Only the overcomer will reign with me. Jesus says in Revelation 22, his last words, behold, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to each person according to what he has done. And so we find that works have nothing to do with salvation at all. But after we're saved, it makes a big difference in our eternity, what we do with our faith. And so I think for, for that carnal Christian, I think explaining the why is a big part of this. And I think we've lost that with our message of cheap grace that Dietrich Bonhoeffer lamented 80 years ago in the church and is still prevalent today that somehow there's nothing left for us to do. We said the prayer, now just sit back and and watch the world burn. That is not what scripture says. Mm. No, that is not what scripture says. Um, how do we how do we help someone deal with um, the reality that justice and or accountability doesn't always come this side of heaven? I'm thinking about the people who are really struggling with the failure of um, someone in their life, um, you know, or they've been sinned against in a really profound way. Accountability does not always come during this lifetime. But that is so profound. And, you know, the thing that I was just saying a minute ago is a good reason why we don't judge people because it's, it's up to God to judge, because there will be justice, and we don't understand really what's going on. We see in Romans chapter 8, where, where God laments, choose life, not death. Choose to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. And uh, Carmen, I got to preach, and now I can't remember the question. <laughs> oh, it's just about, well, no, you've answered. I mean, really, that when accountability doesn't come in this lifetime, and I'm, you know, and I'm suffering. You know, it's one of those things that... Um, I saw it as a policeman all the time. You see great mm. injustice. I was a cop in Compton and on the LAPD. So I saw horrendous, awful things. And not always did you see justice. Um, I Last week, I called a woman who lost her husband 10 years ago in a tragic diving accident. And her husband, her, her son committed suicide a week ago. Mm. And mm. I had to call her. And while she just cried hysterically and asked me why, why, why. Carmen, I don't have the answer to why. I know that we live in a fallen world, and I know that Romans 8.28 says all things work together for those who love God and are called to his purpose. She didn't need any of those platitudes at that moment. She just needed mm-hmm. someone to listen. Mm-hmm. So there will be justice. God is in charge. He is mighty. And I, and I think one of the greatest things we lack in our church today is a, a healthy fear of the Lord. That is biblical fear, not, not terror, but rather respect for the greatness of God. This world, everything will be set right in his own time, not in our own time. Okay. Have you seen John Bevere's new book on that topic? John's one of my good friends. 
the, the awe it. of God. All oh, right. I mean, like literally it's brand new. So the awe of God, you got to get it because that is absolutely what it's about. So that might be fun for the two of you. He's the master on that. <clears throat> we get together. We had dinner one time and talked for five hours, Lisa and John, and <laughs> Elliot, my wife and I on the fear of the Lord. Oh, I love that. I love that. All right. Well, then you'd really enjoy it. Um, Ken, thank you, as always, for joining us, um, for shepherding the hearts of men across the country um, and and for loving deeply. I mean, like, th- let me just say thank you for making the phone call to the woman and knowing her loss and her grief and sitting with her in it. Like, thank you. Thank you for that ministry. I, I really appreciate that. Well, thank you. Can I just say, if we all just keep our eyes on what can I do to build other people up? making that call to somebody's hurting and just listen. Would would the church not be the most amazing thing in the world? It's broken because we're selfish and we don't fear the Lord. Mm, amen. Amen. Will you come back and talk with us again? Absolutely. Yeah, we really appreciate it. That's Ken Harrison from Promise Keepers. You can find him and lots of resources at promisekeepers.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. What are you thinking about today? How are you thinking about what you're thinking about? I shared with you, I think it was last week. It might've been the week before, kind of all blurs together. Um, that, you know, there, there, I've been, I've had days of late that I felt like I was wearing a lead hat, right? So um, maybe you're feeling um, anxious or depressed. Maybe you are, um, maybe you're living in isolation from other people and from meaningful relationships Maybe you're having a really hard time getting out of bed. Um, maybe you have sort of given up on many of the things that uh, maybe you used to do or thought you would be doing um, at this point of your life. I want to talk about the challenges that we all face and that some of us are acutely facing and what it means to live into um, the invitation of Jesus to come to him to come to him and find rest, even rest for our souls. Jonathan Seidel is going to join us. We're going to talk about not only his book, but his workbook related to finding rest. Um, The workbook is an invitation to go deeper into the material in the book, finding rest, navigating the valleys of anxiety, faith, and life. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Jonathan Seidel is joining us. He's the author of Finding Rest, Navigating the Valleys of Anxiety, Faith, and Life. Um, He also now has a workbook and a video series related to this, Finding Rest Guiding Workbook, an invitation to go deeper. And yes, because I know you're already wondering, we are giving away bundles of these today. So the book and the workbook, text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing for the copies we have to give away today. Um, Jonathan, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, so good to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, so here's the good news um, for everybody listening and for me. It's not all in my head. Brain, body, spirit, self-care is not selfish. Um, there's a lot of lies that we believe about mental health and the challenges that we face. Um, 
and you give us truths that we can rely on and lean into. So just sort of maybe set up the conversation for us, especially if we have come to believe a lot of lies about um, anxiety and and other challenges that we face in terms of our mental health. You know, so I always, I grew up knowing something was different about me, right? Um, I didn't quite know what it was. Uh, but back in 2014, 2015, I was uh, officially diagnosed with anxiety and OCD. And, you know, I think when you talk about one of those lies, I grew up in the church and you know, love Jesus. And, and one of the lies that I was told, and I think it's a lie that permeates, you know, a lot of denominations, right? Is that, is that, you know, if you just have enough faith or more faith, if you just pray enough, if you just, you know, repent of that sin, you really didn't know you committed, then like all of this will go away. And I think what I came to find after my diagnosis and in studying the scriptures and talking to counselors and therapists and pastors is that that is one of the biggest lies we believe. And I think it leads us to a lot of shame. And, uh, you know, it leads us to a lot of hiding because we don't want to be that that Christian that's like, well, I guess I just I'm just not a good enough Christian. Right. And and the truth is that, listen, we've all been given thorns in our life um, and or allowed to have certain thorns. And we have to have what I call a proper theology of suffering. And uh, and that's really at the core of the book and the workbook. Yeah. And it leads off with um, this essential starting point of being honest. Like if I'm ever going to have real rest for my soul, um, I'm going to have to be really honest. Talk about the importance of honesty, telling your story, telling my story, like what, how important is that um, to this process? You know, it is so important. I think what what I have come to realize is there is power when we name things, right? I think so many times we like to stick our head in the sand. Uh, you know, I had a niece come over um, a couple of years ago and, and I was helping her change her oil and the check engine light was on. And I said, how long has this check engine light been on? And she's like, I, I mean, I, I don't know, a while. I just thought it would go away, you know? And, and I think sometimes we go through life like that, right? Our check engine lights are on and we're just, yeah, that's going to go away. And I I found the most power when I actually named what was going on inside of me, right? When, when before I said I, I grew up and something was different. And when I got my diagnosis, you know, before that, it was like the lights were off and I was kind of punching in the dark and didn't know what I was going for. And then when I got the diagnosis, the lights came on and I knew exactly what I was facing. And, and it's such a biblical idea, right? If you look back in Genesis, what was the, the, the job given to Adam was to name the animals. And by naming it, it kind of showed the hierarchy in creation, right? That he had dominion over the animals. And so when we name what's going on, when we're honest about what's going on with us, we then gain power over it. Hmm. Um, I have so many things I want to talk with you about, um, but let's do this. What's the most important book in the Bible? And then what's your favorite hymn of all time? I tell you what, uh, the the most important book of the Bible is the book of Job, right? I talked about that that idea um, growing up that, you know, if I just had enough faith or more faith, if I just prayed enough and and 
you look at the book of Job and that couldn't be further from the truth, right? And, and what Job shows us is that the Lord allows us to go through struggles to refine us and to redefine us, right? And so Job, if you look in the, that intro of the book of Job, I, I think a lot of people miss this, but um, you, you know, we think about the story and we're like, well, you know, the devil goes to God and asks God if he can, you, you know, uh, do all these bad things to Job as long as he doesn't kill him. But actually, it's it's God that brings up Job to the devil, says, have you considered my servant Job? Even just that little turn of phrase, that little idea should should rock our worlds, that, that, that God sometimes will allow us to go through things that he knows are for our good and his glory. And that, that, then that brings me to my favorite hymn, which is it is well with my soul. And the story of that hymn is just so incredible. You know, um, uh, the, the, the writer loses his family in a tragic, um, accident at sea and he's crossing over the waters as, as he's seen where they died and he looks down into the deep abyss. And I think you and I, as we struggle with anxiety and OCD and depression, we look down into that abyss and he says, it is well with my soul. Right. And so sometimes there are days, Carmen, where I'm just listening to that on repeat. Right. Uh, like you said in the, in the introduction, some days you just can't get out of bed. And I tell people, listen, this is an ongoing struggle for me. Right. I still struggle with this. I wish I didn't. I pray that I don't. And yet the Lord has said, nope. You, you you still need to go through this. So um, that idea of looking down to the abyss and saying, it is well with my soul, I think we could all use more of. We're talking with Jonathan Seidel. The book is Finding Rest, Navigating the Valleys of Anxiety, Faith, and Life. The workbook is Finding Rest, Guiding Workbook, an invitation to go deeper. We're giving away bundles today, which means um, a copy of the book and the workbook. Text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter that drawing. Um, Jonathan, that uh, that reminded me, like, uh, it's through the valley of the shadow of death. It's still the valley mm. of the shadow of death, but it's through it um, that is that it's essential. And I'm not there alone. Um, he carries me when necessary. Um, yeah, I just think that there are there are so many ways that God ministers to us in the midst of um, of what we're enduring, and I think we tend to forget that. We imagine that you know we're all alone in it, and God doesn't care. He doesn't see us. He's forsaken us. Um, he loves you know. Why are other people you know seemingly having such a good time, um, and I'm struggling so much, and it's so hard. Um, that's that's just the wrong measure of what's happening. And yet, it's human. And so oh, what yeah, I would say absolutely. to people is you look at the Psalms, how many of the Psalms are that Carmen, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where David is like, why do my enemies prosper? Why do the evil get all the good things, right? And so what I encourage people is it's okay to bring those concerns to God, right? And what I tell them is by bringing them to God, you're inherently recognizing the fact that he's the one that can answer them, right? And those are called laments. And 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 Jesus, he lamented on the cross. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which was actually a lament of David in the Psalms, right? And so I encourage people, listen, it's okay. I tell people there is a difference between asking God questions and questioning God. Bring your questions. Bring your concerns. They are healthy. They are right. They are okay. Yeah, God can handle all of that, right? Um, I want you to take us into um, some some of the 14 truths because, again, it unmasks so many of the lies that we're 
um, that we're challenged with. But also, um, I want to direct people to the website, findrestnow.com, findrestnow.com. It's actually going to like take you through to Jonathan's website, but then you don't have to really know how to spell his last name. So there you go. Find rest now. I have the same problem. Find rest now. Com. We're going to continue our conversation with Jonathan Seidel in just a moment. If you're struggling with um, mental health challenges, anxiety, fear, OCD, loneliness, depression, um, if, you're, if you just want rest for your soul, just looking for some rest for your soul, um, this is the book and the workbook. Um, you can text the word book to 877-933-2484. We're going to continue our conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show featured on the Faith Radio Network. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share at MyFaithRadio.com. My guess is you spend a fair amount of time on social media. So where do you spend your time? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Well, have you followed or liked Faith Radio on those platforms? I would invite you to do so. I'm there as well. If you want to check out uh, my personal pages, you could connect with me individually. We would love to have you uh, use the resources that we have produced and are creating and posting on social media for you to share with others. We got all kinds of stuff from graphics to, you know, Bible verses. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff. Go check it out on your social media. Connect with us on Faith Radio social media. And, you know, let's get the word out to others. All right. Back to the show. Again, thanks for listening. Love connecting with you at MyFaithRadio.com. Jonathan Seidel is with us, among other things. He's the author of Finding Rest and the study guide related to it. There's also uh, videos for each chapter of the workbook, um, and we're giving away bundles today. So text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing um, for those. Um, Jonathan, let's uh, let's talk about um, a few of the 14 truths, and then I don't want to let you get away before we talk about, um, like, what if this is not what I'm going through, but it's something that my mom or my dad, my sister or my brother or my friend, like, Let's be sure we 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 talk to um, the person who is suffering because a person they love is suffering. Yeah, that's a it's a great. But let's actually let's actually I, I'd love to tackle that one right away because um, oh, okay. it is so near and dear to my heart. I remember uh, I had <clears throat> basically written this book during um, during COVID. And um, at at the end of the spring, my wife and I were walking around the block because what else did you do but walk around the block during COVID? Um, and so uh, she had read an early manuscript and I turned to her and I said, is there anything missing? And she goes, tell them to get counseling. And I said, well, great. I, I talk about, you know, people getting counseling. She goes, no, 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 no. Loved ones. And mm. it was kind of like this light bulb <clears throat> went on. And I had... Uh, had a chapter in the book, in the workbook for loved ones, but I made it even more robust because I think so many times we as the mental health sufferer, you know, 
we're fighting to be heard, right? We want more recognition in the church and in the public uh, public square. And yet, I think just as much as we want to be heard, our friends and loved ones deserve to be heard. And so in my personal story, it wasn't until my wife was broken down in front of me, crying after just an endless thought cycle over something so small and tiny that I realized, okay, this is what I thought was normal for my life is not normal for her. And so it was that um, that moment that was the impetus. And so in the book and the workbook, there is just a uh, um, a whole chapter dedicated to, you know, what do you say? What do you not say? How do you help someone? You know, what do you need to do for yourself? And it's become it's actually become one of the most popular chapters. And I get the most emails about um, because it's not just the anxiety sufferers that can now relate. They're like, listen, thank you. The light bulb has gone on for off for me. I, I know exactly now how to love my loved one with this. So it's it's become such um such a great chapter and, and a tool for people of, of all stripes. Yeah, so good. Um talk with us about some of a few of the uh the 14 truths. Um I first of all, I I just have to highlight that I- at the beginning of this chapter, you acknowledge that God will take no more bull from my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I'm telling you this. this. I realize that's not the point that you're making yeah. there, but any time that scripture reference is listed up, I'm like, oh my goodness, I totally remember conversations like in middle school about what's your favorite verse? Oh, my favorite verse is God will take no more bull from your house. You know. You <laughs> well, I tell you what, these these 14 these 14 truths are um they're they're what I tell people is listen, I'm not a counselor. Right. I'm not a pastor. I don't pretend to be. I don't pretend to be a clinician. These are the things that I have learned during my own struggle. And and I tell people it's like it's like we're having a conversation. Right. And so these are the things that have become really evident to me. And so, for example, like one of my favorite ones is medication is okay. Right. I think growing up in the church, we 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 have this idea that like we will go to God for a broken brain or uh, excuse me a broken arm but we won't go for a broken brain right and so you started off this entire interview talking about how this is a mul- we have to have a multifaceted approach brain body and spirit right and so uh, medication helps treat that brain aspect right there are synapses that aren't firing there are serotonin levels that are off. And so what I want people to hear is that medication is okay. I'm not telling you you have to be on medication, right? I'm not your doctor, but don't don't write it off, right? I, I think there are some spiritual issues at the heart of this as well. And one of them is pride. And it's just as prideful to say, God, you can heal me any way you want, or you can help me any way you want, except for medication. That's pride, right? And, and my anxiety and OCD is prideful in so many other ways where it wants to control everything. It wants to know what's coming. But yet that is pride too. The second truth that I, I, I'd i love to highlight is, is help others. And you're like, well, what are you talking about? Well, listen, our, our mental health struggles are inherently self-focused, right? We think about what we're going through. We think about what we're dealing with. And so it's scientifically proven. And I love when science catches up to the Bible, by the way, um, because it's also a biblical truth that when you serve and help 
others, it takes that focus off yourself. And and you you it's proven that your mental health, you know, increases and 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 gets better. And then the final thing is I, I would say this. One of the one of my favorite um one of my favorite messages of all time was a pastor. We went to Matt Chandler's church for a long time here in the Dallas area. And uh, he said, you know, I hear that Christianity is a crutch for the weak and non-believers like to throw that in my face. And I tell them all the time, you're absolutely right. Christianity is a crutch for the weak. You just don't realize that your legs are broken, right? And so what I tell people is you do not like this idea that you have to pull yourself up from your bootstraps and you just can like, you know, uh, think away some of this mental health stuff. No, you're broken and you need Jesus. And I I, I think sometimes that the, the reason that the Lord allows me to continue in this struggle is because I need to continually see how much I need him and how much he sustains me. Right. And so I, I just want to encourage people. It's, it's okay to continue to struggle. It doesn't mean that you have given up. Does it mean you're weak? Absolutely. It means you're weak. Right. But in our weakness, he is strong. Hmm. So good. All right, Jonathan, we probably have time um, for one more exploration. So maybe this, what's the role of the church in all of this? You know, listen, I, I have a whole chapter on, on the church and, and I like, and I want to make clear to people, I am not <clears throat> bashing the church, right? This is a loving call for the church to do better, but the mm-hmm. church needs to recognize that more people are struggling with this than they realize. And two, that they don't have to be the end all be all for people struggling with mental health. You know, I think through COVID, you know, I saw so many pastors get overwhelmed and they were saying, you know, I, I, I don't know what to do. Right. And, and, you know, they were playing janitor and, and video production manager and pastor all during COVID. And I tell them it's okay. You don't have to have all the answers. Yes. You can point us upward, point us upward to Jesus, point us upward to the scriptures, but you can also point us outward. You can point us outward to the resources, the mental health professionals, the counselors, right? And so church recognize, first of all, that more people are going through this than you realize, right? Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, uh, struggled with depression. If he can struggle with depression, you know, Bob, that's working at the aluminum factory, can struggle with depression as well, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, recognize that it's happening, but then point us um, upward and then point us outward. Don't be afraid of the fact that there are resources out there to help people like me. Yeah. So good. And help others like, right. That's what, which is what you're doing. So I absolutely appreciate, appreciate that as well. Jonathan Seidel, author of Finding Rest, plus the new uh, study guide, the workbook related to it. And uh, there's a, a video for every chapter as well. We're giving away bundles today of the, I don't know, we'll just call it the Finding Rest bundle. Uh, you can text the word book to 877-933-2484. You can um, visit directly online with Jonathan and get more resources at findrestnow.com. Jonathan, what what a delight. Thank you so much. Thanks, Carmen. I really appreciate it. Yeah, likewise. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio.
All right, so some time ago when we were talking about uh, the Jesus Revolution uh, movie, um, some of you texted in, you were talking about the experiences that you had like back in 1972 and 73 related to it. Um, And uh, I encouraged one listener to just, you know what, just go ahead and reconnect with that person from school who you got on that bus with from Minnesota and went down there to Dallas and you guys had this life-transforming experience, but since then you'd lost lost touch. Well, guess what? Guess what? She did reconnect. She wrote her a letter. Um, the friend responded. And um, yeah, come to find out, they only live a few blocks apart. And um, yeah, the Lord is doing a new and a fresh thing. How cool is that? How cool is that? So who has the Lord brought to mind today? Or who might he bring to mind right now um, that God really wants you to reach out to? Send a text message. Hey, I, I just was thinking about you. And I just remember the loss that you've suffered. Could be a decade ago could be 50 years ago. It doesn't really matter. Like, right? The Lord brought you to mind. Um, and um, I just want you to know that uh, I've, I've prayed for you. I'm concerned about you. And I'd love to reconnect. What might God do with that today? What might God do with that today? Yeah, just a thought. All right. Have a, uh, have a great Monday. And we'll see you right back here for more Mornings with Carmen tomorrow at MyFaithRadio.com. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.